Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Western is back in session, but has the school been able to stop the enrollment slide and putting your kids' imagination to the test in the cities? WQPT's Imagination Station will turn the halls of Western Illinois University's Quad Cities campus into a very different learning environment. We'll talk about that in a moment. But what about the college students already walking the halls of WIU in both Macomb and in Moline? Western Illinois University is starting its 121st year of educating students, but the last five years have been a struggle. That started with a two-year budget stalemate with state lawmakers, followed by an education-altering pandemic, and continues through a period where students are questioning the worth of a brick-and-mortar college education. John Smith, Western's Vice President for Student Success, joins us to talk about the challenges Western is trying to face head on. So let's talk about enrollment. Um, right now, the fall new enrollment at uh, 2,145. Uh, total enrollment is uh, just under 7,100. Uh, down from last fall, but last fall was a big year. But you're always looking for trends more than anything else. Correct. Correct. This year, what we're really excited about is 56% of our new enrollment are from underserved populations, um, down a little bit in international students, but we have a very diverse group of students that add a lot culturally to the university. And as we transition, um, th that's, what we're, that's what we're looking at. How do we best serve the students that want to come to a Midwest regional university? Is it unfair and, to, 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 to judge Western by its enrollment? Um, I don't know that it's unfair, but I think we're doing really well given the current trends. Um, the predictions are from a consultant that we've used that Western should be only able to recruit about 321 students per year. After flagship schools take their portion of the population, you divide, you divide the total number of students left by the other 160 private community colleges and regional universities, our share should be 321 students. We're still in the 900, so we're getting three times um, what they predict we should be. I think what that means in the future is enrollment hopefully will stay around the same. Um, we did expect it to drop this year, so this wasn't unexpected. What, um, and we knew that because of our graduating classes. Um, were high much school larger high school, high school and graduate school. Um, we have them for a brief two years. And two years ago, we had a really large graduate class come in. So while we can predict some of our loss, um, I think as we transitioned from an enrollment management division and brought it back to student affairs, one of the first things that I looked at is, where are we going to be? And when the president asked, where do you think we'll be for enrollment? Um, I said around 7,000. Well, that's 600 students less. So mm -hmm. we talked about the students leaving, the number of students coming, um, where that is. And, you know, Illinois is one of the largest outsourcers of students to other states. That has been really tough for Illinois because uh, um, going to Wisconsin or, 
or even Minnesota to Missouri to those border states, Indiana as well, Michigan as well. That's been the big struggle for Illinois schools that the budget impasse from a few years ago, five years ago, exacerbated that. I mean, it made it amazingly difficult uh, to recruit students. Is it tough to recover from that? It has been very tough to recover from that. I think um, that loss of finances um, chewed up WIU's reserve accounts. Um, we, we looked at major cuts across the university and to this point in time, um, we have not fully recovered. When you look at an admissions staff, um, we're staffed at about 50% of the rate of any other regional institution. Um, so we're, we're forced to do more with less. And given where we are, um, I think we're doing a phenomenal job with the people that we have. And, you know, I want to say that while we, ha while we have less money, I'm more than thankful for what the state is doing for us to help us be successful. Um, I don't know whether this is a good transition, but you look at the, the great building um, that's going up, the Performing Arts Center, on campus um, for the state to invest in WIU says, we believe that you're going to be successful. And you know that's something that in student affairs we're touting a lot. Um, the opportunities it will bring to students in College of Fine Arts. Um, I think that tr the traffic that will come for performances, I think it will bring WIU back on the map to be up a place to visit rather than just a small Midwest regional school. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the state is really trying hard to help invest where they can to help us, I'm, I won't say get back to where we once were, but to become stable and thrive in the future. Well, I think of also some of the innovation, some of the changes that have happened in the agriculture department, some of the majors that have been offered. I mean, you take a look at just the growth of cannabis in Illinois and Western Illinois reacts, Western Illinois University reacts, if not tries to lead the way in some areas uh, that is more cutting edge. Right, we have the cannabis minor, we have the um, ur urban forestry are a couple that come to mind. Um, folks on the academic affairs side are always looking for new and innovative ways to meet market demands. Um, and that's the hallmark of a university that will be stable, is reacting, um, providing the education that students are going to need to be successful, to find jobs. Um, again, the literature leads me to believe that the universities that have struggled and the ones that have failed haven't been able to adapt, haven't been able to make those market adjustments. The ones that are thriving are the ones that are figuring out what it is students are, what kind of employment opportunities are going to be for students in the future. Um, and I think on our academic affairs side, we have people looking at that on a regular basis. What can we do? What new majors can we create? Um, minors programs. And I think agriculture is leading the way in that. Where does the Quad City campus now fit in this? Um, the growth here has not been as big as expected, but this was never supposed to be a dormitory-rich campus uh, in Moline. It was meant to be more for, well, let's be honest, engineering with, with uh, Deering Company uh, providing the impetus, what, some 50 years ago. Um, and then you take a look at uh, veterans and non-traditional students. That's kind of what the Quad City campus was supposed to be. Is it morphing into anything else? Um, I, th I think what we're looking at mostly is how can we make 
the Quad Cities campus um, more of a phenomenal um, campus for the Quad Cities? How can we work further with industry, business leaders, um, specifically non-traditional students or working um, individuals that maybe finished half their degree and they need to come back and they want to finish a few hours? What can we do and how can we do it um, better than our competitors so that those students can finish their degrees at a time um, when we're working with them on flexibility. I think uh, different marketplaces, one of the things that I'm starting to explore is work with prisons. Um, just a few months ago, uh, this, the federal government released Pell money for prisoners that want to receive a bachelor's degree. So I have reached out to the Department of Corrections and several of the prisons around here. How can we help achieve that? Um, I, again, I think it's innovation, looking at things a bit differently. And the Quad Cities campus is in the right area and um, has the ability to grow in those markets. Um, again, it's just looking at it in a way that maybe we haven't in the past. One other area, of course, is not only getting the students, but keeping them. Retention is always so critical uh, for all these institutions. You have a first-year experience program. You have a first-year advising center that, that's basically relatively new. Tell me the impetus of that and, and how you measure success. So both of those programs are designed to help students be successful from the time they transition from high school to the university. Which can be very, very difficult for some. Right, students have a plethora of issues that arise um, that first week. Uh, traditionally, I've been in the healthcare side of it and we would see more um, illnesses that may come across as flu-like symptoms, but it was really homesickness and it was helping them get involved. So those programs have what we call uh, first four experience, first four days, first four weeks. Um, where we get those students out and involved in campus, get them involved in the clubs and the groups and the organizations that we do, provide them access to all of the resources that they have. Let them see that there are other people that might come from across the state um, that they don't think they have in common with, but they do. So getting them involved, getting them engaged um, as early and often, and starting last year, um, we started doing it the, the minute they moved in. Um, it, is, it has been super. That first year advising group um, meets with those students 10 times throughout the first semester, I believe it is, checking in, making sure they're going to class, making sure they're, if any questions come unanswered, um, to connect them to the resources to help them be successful. This is stuff that didn't happen when you and I went to college. It did not. Um, I think... I met with my advisor. I was just talking to Justin Chu, who oversees this. Um, I think I met with my college advisor, if I was lucky, once a year. Mm -hmm. um, most of it was up to me to figure out. And as a first-generation college student that was non-traditional, um, it was challenging. You talked about the veterans. The Veterans Resource Center is great for people that have gone off, experienced life, and many different ways and come back and are trying to navigate college. Um, that's what helped me get through was the Veterans Resource Center and WIU for as long as I can remember um, has been a veteran friendly school. Um, Let us talk a little bit about uh, uh, the future for uh, Western as well as other you know institutions of higher education. Uh, after the pandemic the, the uh, uh, students got more used to uh, 
um, maybe staying away from brick and mortar uh, institutions. Is that something you think is short lived? If you were to put a little bit of a crystal ball gaze at it, is is that people still want that one on one or even the lecture hall experience? Um, what I'm hearing from students is that they want the college experience. They want to live on a college campus, but they might want to take some of their courses online from their residence hall room. Um, so it's our ability to adapt, and I think both on academic affairs, student affairs, and our housing, how can we enable students to learn in the capacity they want to learn, but have that traditional college experience, get to meet new people, um, get to experience different cultures, um, all of the things that the traditional brick and mortar offer. Mm -hmm. um, so have the community, but perhaps have the education a little bit different? Correct, and I think that's what we're seeing in enrollment trends or um, class enrollment trends. I think I've talked to 20 some students this year that are trying to figure out what they wanna do and they want part of their courses, you know, within, that they can take anywhere on campus. They don't have to go to the traditional classroom. But something that might be in their major um, where they have a favorite professor or someone that can be their mentor to help them either go to graduate school or get that job, that classroom experience is very important to them. And I think one of the things that small regional schools really have to offer is that all of the courses are taught by terminal degree faculty. Um, you go to a larger flagship school, a lot of those courses are taught by graduate assistants, graduate students. Um, here you're getting to meet with someone and be mentored by them that are an expert in the field. Um, I worked for a short time at UIC in their College of Medicine and I was teaching physicians as someone with a degree in gerontology. Um, I thought this is odd mm -hmm. that, you know, given my experience in Where higher education, yeah. <laughs> um, but I had things to offer to them that helped them get what they needed to go on and get uh, their MD. I think the experience that many students have at a small regional school are the relationships that they develop with their faculty that become their mentor and help them go on to graduate school or achieve whatever their dreams are. And it, it's those small, intimate classrooms. So when I'm doing my gen eds, maybe I want to do those uh, from my, my room. Um, but whatever I've chosen for my major, I want to do that with the faculty member right there in the classroom. We just have a few moments left. You know that there's kids that are in high school right now trying to determine what college to go to. What is, what is the advice that you give to parents and, and kids right now uh, trying to determine what they're going to do next? Um, I would reinforce that their high school GPA is the biggest predictor of success in college. Um, the study skills um, that they develop in high school will be key to their success in, in college. Um, we find a lot of students that come in high school may have been somewhat easier for them. Um, maybe because they're being pushed along, uh, held accountable for homework. They find themselves at a university setting and no one's making them do that assignment at this particular point in time. If it's late, it's late. The professor may accept it or not. But developing time management, study skills, same sorts of things that you and I probably needed a little help to develop depending on our high school experience. Those are the key important indicators on being success. But GPA, learning to study, do well in your courses in high school, and you'll probably have a really successful university experience.
That's John Smith, Vice President for Student Success for Western Illinois University. In a moment, the return of Imagination Station to the WIU Quad Cities campus. But first, here's Laura Adams with some ideas for an autumn that's just waiting for you to go out and about. This is Out and About for September 24th through October 1st. Cheer the runners on at the Quad Cities Marathon and 5K at the Vibrant Arena at the Mark on the 24th at 7. While Go Fish Marina in Princeton hold a 5K fundraiser on the 29th at 6 p.m. Costumed actors take you on a trip back in time at Echoes from Riverside at the Riverside Cemetery on the 30th with tours every 15 minutes. The Putnam Museum is holding a junk craft fashion show on the 30th at 6, where all of the garments must use at least 70% reused materials. The Mobile Museum of Tolerance will be at the Geneseo Public Library on September 26th and 27th. And Bishop Hill's annual Jordbrook's Dagana, or Harvest Festival, takes place the 23rd and 24th from 10 to 4. On stage, the Spotlight Theater presents School of Rock, the musical, while Circa 21's production of the comedy The Outsider continues at the Rock Island Theater. And Godspell at New Era Dinner Theater in Muscatine at the New Era Community Building performs September 29th through October 1st. And the stand-up comedy competition finals take place on the 30th at the Speakeasy. For more information, visit WQPT.org. Thank you, Laura. Lojo Russo will be heading to concerts in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Maquoketa, as well as Davenport in the month ahead. But we got a chance to meet up with her for a new performance of one of her originals. Here's Lojo Russo with The Secret. A lot of my songwriting is based on snippets of melody that kind of run in my head or something that I say and then I realize that's got like a rhythm to it, a scansion, and I'll kind of play with that rhythm a little bit and see if anything else grows out of it. More often than not, I'm playing around on the guitar and just kind of popping through some different stuff and this little pattern on the guitar starts up. Penny on the sour, pick it up, down in my pocket, give it up. Reaching out to a stranger, lend a hand, never near, try to understand, yeah. Can we? 
wrote a song based on a book I never read, The Secret. But I knew the, the premise of it, the overarching idea of putting good out in the universe, and the universe will bring the good back into your life. So that's, that's the secret, trying to remember that negativity is a waste of time. Um, you know, giving up a, you know, finding a penny on the, on the, on the floor and picking it up. But when you see somebody in need, you give a dollar back. It's, you know, it's, it's not this one-to-one -one kind of give and take. It's always trying to just give and give and give and remember all the good stuff that we are thankful for. So. Lojo Russo with The Secret. She's set to perform later this month at Makokata Brewing in Makokata, as well as the Farmer's Market in Davenport. It is among the most popular events on the WQPT calendar, the annual Imagination Station. Thousands of children will be here at the Western Illinois University Quad Cities campus to meet some of their favorite PBS characters and maybe even learn a thing or two. We talk with WQPT Educational Outreach Director Melissa Gravert about what to expect. So Imagination Station is coming up Saturday, October 14th. You have two sessions. We do. We have one in the morning from 9 to 11 and then one in the afternoon from noon to 2. That way you get as many kids as possible. Absolutely. And let's be honest, tickets go on sale when and they go very, very, very fast. Very fast. Monday, October 2nd, tickets will go on sale at 8 a.m. Um, people that are interested will start at our website and then they'll go to um, the registration through Eventbrite. So that's the way to do it. It's very easy, but don't mm -hmm. wait because don't wait. they do go quickly. Very quickly. So yes. let's talk about Imagination Station because, I mean, you get to see Clifford. You do. That should be enough. <laughs> but there's a whole lot more. Tell me about it. Yes. Yeah, so in addition, to, in addition to Clifford, there's about 11 other of our PBS Kids characters in costume that day. Um, and then throughout the campus of Western Illinois University, we will have activity stations for students and their families um, based on those uh, kids' shows, but then also just about science and engineering and math. There's just a, you know, for families, there's just a real need for mm -hmm. events like this because uh, that way you do get to learn something, you get to take away something from the event. Yes, yeah, so they'll be able to do activities while they're here, but then also, yes, there'll be some make and take things that they can bring home with them to keep learning at home. Um, but yes, just activities all throughout the day, games, lots of fun. We're always talking about the, the kids and the families, but adults as well. And you need some adults because volunteers are always needed at an event like this. We do. We definitely need uh, volunteers for the event. Um, if you would like to do more behind the scenes volunteering, we're setting up the day before on Friday. But then, of course, the big day, Saturday, October 14th, we need lots of help. So start at our website and there's more information there. This is a big event for WQPT. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that because this is this is a, a lot of planning that goes into this because it is so popular. Yes, so Imagination Station's been a big part of our outreach since the 1990s. Um, the event at, currently brings in about 4,000 people to campus. I mean, that is huge. It's huge, yeah. But it's not the only thing that WQPT does for outreach because, mm -hmm. I mean, throughout the year, I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think of the uh, books that are distributed. Mm -hmm. I think of the learning materials that are given. Tell me a little bit more about the outreach that sure. the station does provide to the community. So it's, it's fall, right? It's back to school. Yes. We've restarted some of our partnerships with um, adult ESL through Bethel Wesley and Moline. Um, we're continuing our partnerships with Spring Forward in Rock Island and Moline and, um, and also Stepping Stones in Davenport for their after school enrichment. Um, we offer 
resources for educators through our PBS Learning Media website. And you mentioned First Book, which is a book donation program that we um, offer to teachers in our area. Um, we can make arrangements for them to pick up books here for their students, or I can visit their classrooms and, and share the books and share about PBS Kids. Well, First Book is so important also because uh, studies have been showing that if you don't have a good basis of reading by third grade, you're going to fall behind. So how important is the first book program, particularly for those younger kids? Sure. So it just builds um, that love of literacy, right? Love of learning. Um, uh, it helps them also build a, a home library because the books that we give them, they're able to take home and keep at home and read with their families. Let's talk also about, uh, as you said, school being in session right now mm -hmm. and the fact that you do have educational outreach. There is more non-traditional education that's going on as opposed to being in a classroom. There's homeschooling. Mm -hmm. As you said, there, there's, there's preschool, there's mm -hmm. daycare. How does WQPT help in that area? So we are available as an educational partner um, through programs like First Book, but also just if they have a, a family engagement event that they want us to be a part of, we're, we're happy to join and share our resources that way as well. And, and how does one go about that? I mean, how, how do they contact you in order to schedule something Sure, like through that? our website and, and there's a link to, to a way to contact me directly. Mm -hmm. And then on the fun side, WQPT also has the PBS Kids Club that's yes. going on. So tell yes. me about that and how can kids get registered for that? Sure. So Kids Club is a membership that families can join. Um, it is uh, $75 for the year or about $6 per month as a sustaining member. Um, and that gives them access to VIP events like the VIP event we have before Imagination Station at the Bettendorf Children's Museum. Um, it also gives them access to PBS Passport. Um, which of course is our online streaming access anytime, anywhere for all of our programs. Um, and then the kids in the family also get a shout out on their birthday month I've on seen that air, all the time, yes. and some passes for the Botanical Center and Whitey's and Happy Joe's. Because it really is important, I think, uh, uh, that uh, WQPT has shown time and time again, is to build that stronger family mm -hmm. and to, to better educate our kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why is that such an important part or such an important component? of PBS here. And we just believe in lifelong learning, excuse me, lifelong learning, and that starts when they're young, but then continues as they grow into families, and we, we do our best to support that. And I'll allow you one more big pitch for Imagination Station, because <laughs> once again, tickets go on sale and they go quickly. Yes, so Monday, October 2nd, 8 a.m. is when registration opens. Now, it is a free event, but as you said, we need people to register for those tickets just so we can manage capacity and keep people safe. Um, and then volunteering, uh, we uh, really want to invite the community if they're interested in volunteering, either the day of the event or before for setting up, and they can do that through our website. Our thanks to WQPT Educational Outreach Director, Melissa Gravert. Imagination Station is October 14th at Western Illinois' Quad Cities campus. And to find out more or to help us out by volunteering, just head to our website, wqpt.org. On the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device, and streaming on your computer. Thanks for taking some time to join us as we talk about the issues on the cities.